Well, welcome back to another episode of your Just a Number podcast, a podcast regarding leadership, teamwork, and valueship. Valueship is your value in the market. Realize you can increase your value. Learn more at our blog site, which is youarejustanumber.com. That's the letter, youarejustanumber.com. All one word. I am Jim Zellum, your host and author of the book, Stepping Stones of Leadership. So let's get started. Well, today, this is a very unique interview I'm having today because I am interviewing my brother, Dr. Zellum, but from from a brotherly standpoint, he's going to be Dr. John for me. So Dr. John, you've been a surgeon... You've been a surgeon for the majority of your life, and now you've become a business consultant, a medical business consultant. So can you tell us why you made this transition? Sure, be happy to. It's interesting because I guess I've always had a business idea in my head. Plus, I've always wanted to teach myself new things. So when I was practicing uh, general surgery, which I started in 1981, I got involved with a company called U.S. Surgical at that time. And they've subsequently gone out of business or they've been bought and then went out of business. But they were a product, uh, a device product developing company. And I was doing something called laparoscopic hernias. That's just a hernia repair through the belly button as it's sometimes described. And uh, I started getting involved, helping to teach their, their their salespeople. I got involved in teaching other doctors on how to do the procedure. I got involved with helping them develop the new products along those lines. So I'm, the way I look at things is, as the story of my life goes, everything that I've done in the past has kind of set me up for what I am right now. Then I got to the point where I started doing presentations, love to do that. And uh, as we went on, uh, I I ended up taking up practice in uh, Mississippi. And when I was there, of course, I was a little bit bored. I ended up getting into motivational speaking and writing some books. And I also like to teach myself other things. So through the years and subsequent to that, I ended up working for a major corporation. And during that period of time, I taught myself how to develop databases I used Access, which is the Microsoft product, taught myself how to do that. And after that, it was like, okay, then I got a Mac computer. Macs don't, uh, did not allow you to have uh, a, a, da- a Microsoft database on there. So then I ended up seeing, well, you know, I've got some free time. I want to learn some new things. I thought, well, maybe I'll teach myself how to make some uh, apps for the cell phone. Well, that was great. But if you know anything about making apps, there's there's three parts to it. There's HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. Well, HTML, you know, at, at my age and my generation, HTML is learnable. CSS is learnable. JavaScript, not so much. JavaScript is so challenging. It, 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 and it doesn't make sense unless you think that way. And, and I just couldn't do that. Then I got in, into developing websites and uh, produced a couple, as you know. And uh, I, I subsequently got laid off the end of last year. Uh, 
And when I got laid off, it was like, all right, well, I enjoyed what I was doing. Oh, let me go back a little bit because in 2006, I stopped practicing and then started working for a major company in the utilization review and hospital healthcare system environment where I learned a ton of stuff and added to more skills that I had. So when I got laid off uh, at the beginning of this year, which is 2020, I, uh, I tried looking for a, a, a J-O-B and I tried a couple and they, you, you always get these excuses, oh, we've decided to move in another direction. And that's what happened. And I said to myself, you know, I have the corporate handcuffs that have been taken off of me. I've got a lot of knowledge from the past 14 to 15 years in the hospital uh, 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 utilization cycle. Why don't I start my own business? And that's when I decided to. Uh, and uh, it's been a, um, I wouldn't call it an uphill battle, but I would say that it's, it, it's been fun. And I'm my own boss. I have the corporate handcuffs removed from me, so I don't have to have a manager to go through to do anything, to say anything. And I started with uh, connections on LinkedIn, et cetera, which has led me to where I am today and some of the things that I'm doing today. Excellent, excellent. So basically you created your, your own um, consulting business and your big thing is that you created UM360. So can you briefly describe what UM360 is all about? Sure. UM360 is actually the acronym for Utilization Management 360. I did a major project, a 12-week project, as a matter of fact, for a hospital on the uh, East Coast, a hospital system, if you will. And during that period of time, they, the, I noticed that in, in mid-revenue cycle, mid-revenue cycle in the hospital system has several components to it. But the reality is, is it, it's from the beginning of a patient stay to the end of a patient stay and the bill being submitted. So there are five components to that. And I learned more about that and actually had a, a, a lot of fun with, with that project and came up with a, and I call it a revolutionary concept, Utilization Management 360, uh, the term being trademarked but uh, using UM360 as a shortcut or the acronym for it. And I looked at the five components that funnel into mid-revenue cycle, utilization review, case management, CDI, which is clinical documentation integrity, uh, or it used to be called clinical documentation improvement, physician advisors, and coding. Those are the five major components from beginning to end for beginning of a patient coming in to the end, which is the reason for the 360 name. Of course, everybody uses that term nowadays, but it really is an end-to-end -end, uh, component. And what, what happened is they all funnel into revenue cycle. But the problem is, is that there, there's a certain cement, and let me give you the analogy because they talk about this as a holistic approach. The perfect uh, holism is no one part is more important than the whole. Even if you look at a team, on a team, no one member is more important than the entire team, as you have taught me. And I have to give a lot of credit to you, Jim, over the last several months, because you've, you have taught me so much. And, and let me tell a little bit of story behind that, because one of the things that I've learned over the, the last couple of years, especially this year being out of my own, 
is that you tend to see people that you work with on the level of where they are at that point in time. So if I was out with an account manager, I would think of them as an account manager, not what they used to do or you know where they came from. And then in, in, in car rides and, and client visits, we'd have a conversation and I find out, oh, they actually ran an $8 million business before they came to this, this corporation. And I learned that you've got to stop seeing people at where they are and see where people have necessarily come from and what knowledge they hold. And the reason why I bring this up with you, and I probably haven't told you this yet, but the, between you and me, and we've got a lot of years together, between you and me, I only always saw you as my brother. That was it. You know, yeah, I know that you've done a lot of things. You worked for a lot of companies. We had our ups and downs, our arguments and our get along well periods, but I always saw you as my brother. And as, as we started progressing over the last several months, I started to realize that the knowledge that you have, the background that you have, you were able to teach me so much. And I was able to take these things and apply them in the UM360 concept. But getting back to holism, there's, if, you, if you look at UM360 in a holistic approach, there's five components, but no one component is more important than the other. And the best example of holism or something that is holistic is the human body because the human body has all these different components. And some people say, eh, the brain's the most important. Some people say, no, the heart's the most important. And the answer is neither one of them are the most important because neither one of them can function on their own. They need to, no one part is more important than the whole. Now, the, the, connect, the connection between all of the parts of the human body is the skeletal system and the connective tissue. That's what holds it all together. We'll take that concept to Utilization Management 360. What holds it together in a holistic approach? And the answer to that is documentation, the medical record. Every one of those five components is looking at the same documentation. So that's the cement. But the problem is they each look at it through their own lens and their own way of interpreting it, but still leaves them all in silos. And that's why the concept of UM360 to me was so interesting because it's a matter of breaking down the silos. And that's where, that's where I, I am headed with that concept. Excellent, excellent. So, you know, in talking to people, and I, and I get where you're coming from, but in talking to people, you talk about hospitals, okay? You know, it's all about the people, the patient taking care of it. And now you're throwing this business aspect into it. And people will say, well, a hospital isn't a business. A hospital is about taking care of people. So what can you say about that? It's, it is, let me, let me put that together. It is the business of taking care of people. Because if you don't look at it as a business, they're all going to run out of money. And uh, as you see today, with all the stuff that's going on with COVID, they are having financial challenges, revenue cycle challenges, the, the, the revenue streams are drying up. And I got to be very careful not to get political. But let, let's look at the hospital. It, it, you, you know, physicians say many times, well, I don't care if the hospital makes money. 
But on the other hand, if the hospital doesn't make any money, the hospital is not going to survive and you're not going to have someplace to take care of your patients. So it is a business in itself and it needs it needs to have revenue in order to survive. They're always buy, looking to buy new equipment, provide new services. And how do you do that without, uh, without making money? But the other thing too is I, sometimes I think that the C-suite, which is the, the executive level in hospitals, I, I, I sometimes say that I don't really always see them as running the business of healthcare in the most efficient manner possible. I think if you took some of these executives, and, and I could get pushback on this and that's okay, but if you take a look at some of these executives and say to yourself, well, if, or I say to myself rather, if you take these people and you put them into the business world, the real business world, could they survive? Could they make it? And the answer is I really don't know because healthcare is a different industry. It, it certainly has its problems. Price transparency is one of the big things right now. And, and truly that is a big problem because patients can end up with a big bill at the end of the, what they needed it for and totally a surprise to them, but it, it could be a financial drain, a financial ruin to them sometimes if they're struck with a tragedy. And you see a lot of these things going on in today's world, and I'm certainly not gonna get political during this conversation, but it is, it is challenging. But hospitals need to survive and hospitals need to make money in order to survive. So bottom line, it's the business of providing care to patients. So you got this, your philosophy of UM360, holistic approach. So how do you believe your philosophy, okay, is gonna help hospitals, doctors, nurses, everybody involved in this business, okay? Is any, you know, everybody's in there as, as you taught me, you know, what's in it for me, mm -hmm. okay? And they're, they're all looking at it, okay? So what's in it for them to really adapt UM360? That's a very good question. And, and, and one of the things that I, I think is part of that answer is they have, they have challenges. And, um, you know, as, as you kind of taught me, um, you know, we look at it and call it the revenue stream. W during the good days, it, prior to all of this COVID stuff, hospitals, their profit margin ranges between one to 4%, averaging somewhere around 2% from what I've read. That's not a great profit margin, but it, it's still better than what it is today. And, and, you know, if you look at the revenue stream as an actual stream of water, what happens is the, during the springtime, streams flow very well because the snow melts or, you know, whatever climate you're in, but the stream flows very well to its end point. But now you throw summer in there where you get a little bit of a drought, the, the water levels start dropping, revealing the rocks in the bottom, or there may be changes in elevation. Yeah, I know I'm kind of re reciting what, what uh, you, you have said to me, but it reveals the obstacles, the bottlenecks as you helped me to understand, and the, the uh, uh, what, what was the other word, constraints. 
so you may have the rocks on the bottom which impede the flow you may have changes in elevation which impede the flow to the endpoint and that's what hospitals are experiencing right now so what what would make them take a look at this well i i've asked myself that question many times because i don't find them so they're more they're more interested in how much is this going to cost me to do this as opposed to what's in it for me what am i going to get out of it how is this going to help me and if if you look at the resistance to change which is a recent podcast uh, or uh, video that i did uh, about a week ago you know people look at this and they said they, the reason why they resist change is number one is this really a solution number two is this solution going to work number three is this solution going to cost me more money uh, will it will it uh, give me even more problems to deal with, and and so instead of looking at it, and one of the things that would frustrate me many times in brainstorming sessions, and you'd be you'd, you'd have somebody say, so what do we do, and somebody would come up with a, a, a suggestion, and it's like, oh that's not going to work. Somebody else would come up with another suggestion, well that's not going to work, and you'd keep hearing that over and over, and I'd get to a point where I got a little ticked off. And I would say, I'm tired of you telling me what won't work. Tell me what will work. And, and that's where we, and that's how the finance people, the people who would make the decision for UM360 really need to start looking at it. But as I say, they don't see the forest through the trees because they're in the forest and you know, they're, they're in the trees rather. And that's all that's in front of them is all their problems. They can't see past their problems, how to get out of that forest, how, how to get out of that, that section of trees in order to see the entire forest. And actually I have to say, that's a, I've always heard that expression. I never really, really understood what it meant until just recently, but that's the way that I see it. And, and as you help teach me, it's like they'll say to me, all right, so what problems are mine are you going to take care of and to fix? And the answer is, hell, if I know, I need to do an analysis. I need to see what's going on because your situation in hospital A may be different than the situation in hospital B, uh, in hospital C. So in order, to, in, in order to help provide a solution, I need to know what your problems are. Exactly. And so how, how do they come along? They have to be willing to change. And that there, there's three corollaries that I always use. One is the, the typical one that's assigned to Albert Einstein, which he is not the originator of, as I found out. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing every day, expecting different results. The second one, and I, I forget who to attribute it to, is that if you continue to do what you've always done, you'll continue to get what you've already gotten. And number three is mine. If you want to make some changes in your life, you have to make some changes in your life. So that, that's where I see and it, it. And it really is a matter of helping people understand that this is a solution. It does, it does have uh, uh, some great points to it. And with the hospital system that I was at the beginning of this year, they've instituted and they're starting to institute some of the changes that I suggested and they are seeing success. Well, one, one of the amazing things you do, you bring out with the, the trees and the forest in here. And that's why consultants are so important, okay? Because they're not in the trees. They can actually see the forest and you can actually help those people see what they can't see. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so let me ask you a question. I'm gonna, this is a, here, here's one. Um, 
there's a lot of issues in there and 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 I get what you're saying okay but how are you going to you know eagles are going to get in the way <laughs> okay yes. I, I mean you know and you, I guess I'm going to throw this one at you and I'm um doctors okay you being a doctor you're still a doctor but doctors play a major role okay because so much flows through them because they're taking care of the patient and they don't want to see that business aspect of it. And when they do and you need their help, well, they feel that some of them is, well, that's beneath them. Okay. That's for the nurse. That's for these people to take care of in this guy. So do you have a solution for that? Do you have a, not a solution. That's a bad word. Your plan of attack for that education trying to educate them and you know it, it gets back to the old phrase that you and i have talked about many times w-i-i-f-m my favorite physician radio station what's in it for me and the problem is doctors don't look at it uh as as many times as saving a hospital or or, or preserve well i take that back because there are many who do in the profession that i've been in that my problem is i've seen the worst of the worst so, so with that, it, it, it's, you know, it's kind of hard to be totally objective, but as an example, when I used to practice years ago, part of my responsibility was to serve on at least two committees. There's a certain number of medical staff meetings that I needed to attend on an annual basis. I was supposed to take, and it was, I was voluntold that I needed to be on the, the roster for coverage of the emergency room to provide services to patients that didn't have an, a, a, an attending surgeon or a surgeon in mind. So it was my responsibility. And it meant that there are times that I didn't get paid. Now, I will admit that physicians throughout the years have had their, their reimbursements cut down but so is everybody else in healthcare, except for pharmacies and 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 suppliers, et cetera. They still make make their their good money, and it's the hospitals and physicians who have suffered. But the reality is now, the physicians, because some of those those um, requirements have been removed, uh, you don't have to serve on any committees unless you want to. You don't have to attend a certain number of meetings. Since those things went away, physicians have got to the point where all I want to do is practice medicine. All I want to do is take care of my patients. But let me tell you, let a physician not get paid for the services that they provided. Or nowadays, physicians, if you're going to have a procedure, you got to pay up front for it. And they really don't care whether you have insurance coverage or not. They'll accept it. Now, this is not across the board, but this is an increasing trend as I see it. So it's like, well, what really is your motivation? Is your motivation to take care of patients or is your motivation to make money or is it a combination of the two? And, uh, you know, I, 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 they always say it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission. So with what I'm going to say, uh, is is going to sound harsh, but it's it again comes down to the what's in it for me concept. What profession will actually charge you for a missed office visit? 
Lawyers don't do that, at least not to my knowledge and the ones that I've spoken to. But if you, you miss a office visit, they may charge you anywhere, anywhere between $35 to $50 because that time could have been spent with another patient. Well, you've been in business long enough, Jim, and you understand there is a cost to doing business. And sometimes you have an appointment with somebody or somebody's supposed to see you. They don't show up for whatever reason. They don't, they, they don't even communicate to you that they're not going to show up. There is a cost to doing business. But now you're going to charge for that? Basically, what that is telling me that their time is more important than their patient's time. Because, and, and here's my argument, you may come in for your appointment, maybe at 2.30, and you don't get seen till 4 o'clock. Why? Well, because other patients needed that time with the doctor. On the other hand, you, if you're a business person, you just had an hour and a half of your time lost. So I do kind of have a little uh, a solution to that. When I get asked by a physician's office, you know, to sign a paper that says um, that I will pay for a missed office visit. First of all, I will never have a missed office visit unless it's an absolute emergency. I'll call ahead of time out of respect. But what I tend to say is, um, well, I'm worth $300 an hour. My appointment's at 1.30, but you don't see me till two o'clock. So let's do a little risk sharing. If you don't see me for the half an hour, you owe me 150 bucks. If you agree to that, then I'll pay your 30 to $50 for a missed office visit. And typically the answer I get is, no, 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 we're okay, we're okay. And, and, and I'm not saying that in a demeaning way to physicians, but what, what is the message that that sends to the average patient? that their time is more important than your time. And you know we've got to take doctors off a pedestal. Yes, they save lives, but they're human beings too. And, and so um, how, how do I answer your question about physicians? It's teaching them, it's helping to educate them and, and helping them understand what, what, what's the, the, the right way so that everybody benefits. It becomes a win-win situation. So in looking over your whole UM360, your philosophy, and I know you've already talked to hospitals, and I know you've done a lot of talking and educating and seminars and everything. So what do you personally see your biggest hurdle to overcome? The biggest hurdle is to get people to understand that they need help and to take a look at their situation and that, that, that really is it. Because I'll, I'll get people, uh, you know, hospitals and physicians and other people say it's a great concept. It really has a place. But why isn't it, why can't I get, why can't I get hospitals to take a closer look at it? I think part of the answer is right now is that revenue is tight, uh, especially with, with COVID and uh, um, laying people off, et cetera. But on the other hand, as you know, dad used to say, you not accumulate unless you speculate. And sometimes you have to bite the bullet a little bit and make an investment. And the investment doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, get the analysis, get the, 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 uh, the gap analysis, is, is, as I call it, or we call it, 
um, and, and see what your challenges are, then you could decide whether you want somebody else to come in and to do that or whether you want to try doing it yourself. But at least you got to start someplace. The, the, the longest journey always starts with the first step. Well, that's very good what you said there, Dr. John. I got a question for you. You talk a lot about education. You have to educate these people. Um, the first part is educating the doctors and everything like that, which is which is very understandable. So what is your plan of action to educate this, this group? Yeah, and actually it's more than educating the physicians. I think the physicians become a secondary component to the education. I think the education needs to be on the, on the finance and revenue cycle side because they're the ones who are gonna make the decision and need to look at this in a, in, in a global manner. But education, I am giving uh, presentations as often as I can. Uh, I, I just recently did one uh, on, on, on an event called Finally Friday, uh, which talked about the resistance to change and team empowerment, et cetera. You, you, need, to, you need to get the buy-in. And, 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 you know, I mentioned the physician advisors, one of the silos, one of the components. They're not really a silo as much as they are a functional component because a physician advisor could, works with utilization review, works with case management, works with CDI, not so much with coding. Uh, so they can be allies as opposed to bottlenecks or, or, or interference. They can work for buy-in. And I think that's the level the, 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 you know, years ago when I worked for a company, we used, uh, we had, we had a concept in utilization review that was unique across the country. And it was at a point where nobody else had it. So people sought out this company for this service that has changed tremendously where it's now a more of a, a of a competitive world. So, so that being said, uh, who do you, who do you, who do you address? Do you address the worker bees who could bring this concept to their leadership? Do you address the leadership who could bring it down and institute it for their worker bees or across their system? I don't know, but my goal is to make as many people aware of it as I can. Good. So, uh, how do people reach out and get help from you? Well, I have a website www.streamlinesolutionsconsulting.com. That's just all one word. Uh, there's some articles in there. There's some white papers. There's actually a video of using the human body holistic concept and how it works for uh, utilization, uh, utilization management 360. And then some of the other services that I, I provide. Uh, my email is john at Three words altogether, streamline solutions consulting.com. And uh, that's probably the best way to get a hold of me to at least have a conversation. I'm on LinkedIn a lot. Uh, matter of fact, a lot. And uh, always trying to meet new people and have conversations. So that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Okay. Okay. So, uh, in parting, do you have any, uh, you know, anything that you'd like to? share with our with our audience well just basically if you want to make some changes in your life you have to make some changes and there you got it from dr john thank <laughs> you john for this great interview i appreciate it thank you jim and uh, again i see you more than just my brother thank you 
Well, I hope you enjoyed this podcast with my brother, Dr. John Zellum. I found it very interesting how he stayed in the medical field as he transitioned from a surgeon to a business consultant, always trying to help the medical industry. Well, do you have some story or experience you'd like to share with our listeners? Feel free to contact me at youarejustanumber.com. That's the letter, youarejustanumber.com, all one word. Have a great day. Thank you.